You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 125, Face Reading with Dr. Tamsin Lee. Welcome to episode 125 of the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School, and together they have over three decades of experience designing harmonious spaces with and for their clients and students through articles, books, workshops, videos, TV appearances, and consultations. Laura and Angie have guided thousands of people to shift their energy and revitalize their living spaces. Mindful Design School offers feng shui courses and certifications. Be sure to check us out at mindfuldesignschool.com. Hi, Tamsin. Hi, thanks for having me back. So I'm going to introduce you. So Tamsin Lee is a D-A-O-M-A-E-M-P, is an East Asian medical medicine doctor, community-based researcher, and a Taoist face reader. She is the founder of Influential Point, an online social venture organization leveraging digital media to amplify BIPOC voices in the health and wellness space. She also offers personalized face reading consultations through Elemental Archetypes, where she weaves her family lineage of Korean face reading and the five seasonal phases of Taoism to guide women to rediscover their Tao and reclaim their beauty. I love that. Mm, thank you. And we are talking about face reading today. So that's exciting. So face reading is a modality that I am very interested in, but I am not... I have studied it, but not at the level I would like to. It is something that is a good adjacent modality for feng shui. It, it is connected in many ways. And it requires quite a bit of study to really to really be able to do it for people as a full consultation. So somebody goes to as a way to divine or a way to read their energy. So it's it's a pretty in-depth modality. I have a lot of respect for people that do it really well. And that's why I'm really happy that Tamsin's here to talk about it because I've been following her Instagram for her Elemental Archetypes Instagram. And she's got, it's such a great feed. You can like, she's always posting these photos and these little synopses about the different elements. So I'm excited that she's here. So we're going to chat today about face reading. So welcome, Tamsin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So we talked when you were here last time, we did talk a lot about, you know, how you came in and we talked a bit about modalities and how, you know, these Chinese arts that were forgotten or sometimes packed away for a while, you know, and culturally sort of excluded are these esoteric practices are really important in a lot of the modalities that we do. And sometimes they're forgotten or pushed aside. So can you talk to me a little bit about what, what face, you know what, let's just start really basically. What is face reading? Let's start super basic. Yeah. It's like super basic, but like so yeah. loaded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's like, what's the meaning of life? Go. Yeah. <laughs> um, face reading is a medical spiritual everyday sort of practice where we're reading the facial features of your face. And those are the faces, um, stories of your ancestors, your own lived experience, your own personal history. Um, there's different types of face reading. So it exists in different cultures, like not just in East Asia, but Southeast Asia, in France, they, they did it a lot with behavioral 
and psychologists. And in the States, it started becoming something that you use as a medical diagnosis, like jaundice. That's the type, like you see yellow in the skin. That's the type of face reading. But what I do is I really work with, I, I, even though I'm a doctor, I don't do any sort of health consultations. It's strictly like spiritual career advice, relationship advice. And that's what it's used now, primarily, mostly in East Asia. It's often used um, in with businesses, like hooking up different business partners together to see if they're going to work well together. Um, marriages, like Southeast Asia. Uh, like India, they have really famous face readers on matchmakers, but you can use it every day. Like I used it to find my eyebrow person <laughs> and, and, or like my, um, my hairstylist. I definitely used it for that. Or even like therapists, like I know what sort of elements that work well with me. And I use it also even in basic communication. Like if I understand if somebody's a wood or an earth type, then I know how to communicate with them. I can adjust the way that I, you know, I might not be as harsh, like I'm a metal, so <laughs> I might soften my metal a little bit. But yeah, it's everything from medical diagnosis to relationships and business. So, I mean, it's similar to a lot of these modalities, especially modalities where we're plugging into the elements, the five elements, where you're using it as a way to gain information or awareness, as I like to say, rather than, you know, you're gaining, it's, it's all information and awareness about yourself or about others. And you don't want to be judgmental. You want to be discerning and you want to kind of see it from all sides as well. So it's a, it is a really, it's a great tool to use. And in feng shui, because we use multiple modalities, it really does dovetail in with what we practice all the time. So why don't we talk about the idea of the elemental archetype? So let's talk a little bit about for those listeners that have followed us for a while, you've probably, you know, hopefully you've heard us referring to the five elements before, but we're going to talk about it a little bit more because that's really at the foundation, right? Of this is the, the five elements. You want to talk a little bit about what that means archetypally? Yeah. Um, maybe we should also say what face reading is not. It's not like fortune telling. I'm not a psychic. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to you in next year. I can see how you've behaved in the past. And from that behavior, you know, give you ideas of how things might turn. But I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. And so when we think about the elements, each element is related to a season, it's related to a sound, emotion, spirit. And what I do is I fuse, because I have an East Asian medicine background, I fuse different types of archetypes that go for different seasons. So when I have a consultation, we all have five elements on our faces. It just appears more strongly. Certain elements might come out more strongly at different times in our lives, whether that's a conscious decision or a subconscious decision. But we, you know, most what I see is we all have like a primary and secondary element. And then other people might have more and people who've really gone through a lot of stuff and have worked and are really in a place where they have their original face, their authentic face. It's like, it's beautiful. You see all five elements working in harmony. And so it's all about balancing, like what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses or challenges? And each element has kind of their broad general type, like the way they behave, the way, the things that they like, the way they think. Yeah. It's a really a, a nice way to understand people's energy. I mean, really it comes down to that. Right. And as you were saying, you know, sometimes people are like, well, what am I going to get? Why would I use this? You know, sort of, why would I use this? And I obviously want to hear from you and 
when people come to you as a practitioner and they they're your client, you know, what what are their what what are they usually coming for you to to get and sort of what do they walk away with? And I mean, I think uh, you know not to speak for you, but it's probably quite similar to feng shui because feng shui, again, isn't fortune telling, but it is a way to gain information and really reveal things, patterns, things that might be coming up for you over and over again. It also imbalances in more of a behavioral way. Like, oh, you have, you've got a lot of wood or you're very stuck in your earth right now, or, you know, you need to, and then, and then saying, okay, so we know that now, what can we do to sort of balance that out or, you know, or asking questions allows you to ask a lot of questions too to clients and say, you know, does this happen? Has this happened? And that's what I love about the practices that both practices is that there's this back and forth and this real co-creation of where you're taking this. Like, what do you want to do with this information? So for you, when, when a client comes to see you, what do you find that they really get out of it? That's the real benefit for them. Oh, I love, um, I love this question <laughs> because they come to me because they're typically in a transition in their lives, whether it's career relationship. Um, a lot of them is like, I just feel stuck. I don't know what to do. What they get out of it is really, when I say reclaiming beauty, it's re- reclaiming your whole self. It's reframing these personality traits or behaviors that we've been told are not good traits and offering them like a different perspective because there's no real good or bad in East Asian medicine. It just is. We have, we attach so much emotion and like stories behind these words, right? So one example is metals are known to be perfectionist and they love things organized and in boxes and they love beautiful things and, um, they, they have very good expensive taste. <laughs> and so they come off kind of elitist and, and they're very reserved with their feelings. So put all that together. It just, it just like people have a misconception of them and they come off cold or elitist or classist because they like beautiful things. They dress a certain way, they behave a certain way. But what really is, is metal is Metals are very sensitive people and, and, and they're incredibly compassionate because they're so hard on themselves that they understand what suffering feels like. And so they ha- they've built a lot of compassion for other people. But metals also, when I say beauty, like they're drawn to beautiful things, it's not because they're materialistic. Nature in itself is beautiful. That's the idea of perfect beauty, perfect harmony. And that's what metals are drawn to. It's that type of like when things aren't placed right, it's because it's not beautiful, because it's not perfect, like how nature is perfect. So what I love working with patients is really having them own these traits that they have that are good traits, and then working with other things they might not feel comfortable with and offering a different perspective. But I, I don't want them to leave the consultation thinking that they need to behave differently. It's more like own what you have. And the, the more you do that, the more empowered you have, and then the more there's less questioning and people will just accept who you are because you, people can see that. I love that because I'm pretty metal and I think metal gets a bad rap sometimes. <laughs> metals will say that. Yeah. Yes, definitely. But actually what you said totally resonated with me because one of the first things I learned when, so we also, Laura and I practice nine star key, which we have to have another call about that sometime, but nine star key, I'm my primary element is six metal, which is yang metal. And one of the first things my teacher, Rosalie Principali told me about six metals is she said, never criticize a six metal as a child because they are so self-critical 
and they're very hard on themselves because idea is that they really hold themselves to a really high standard and the rest of the world to high standard that no one else can really meet. So that really always resonated with me. Also, there's a book called The Key and it's about Nine Star Key. Yeah, you might be interested in it if you're interested in Nine Star Key. And he gives some, um, the author is Takashi Yoshikawa, I believe. And, um, you know, I'll get that in a second and um, make sure I have the right, I'm referencing the right name, but he gives a tip for every, every elemental number. And for the sixth metal, he says, basically something like if somebody asks for an apple, you should give them an apple, even though you think they need a peach. And that like, I think sums up the sixth metal. <laughs> I love that. Wait, well, what's, wait, what's your number, Tamsin? Sorry to go I, off. I know. I, I can't remember. I feel like it might be a four. Type in know. your year of yeah. birth in the chat and then I'll look it up and we'll okay. get back to you on that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I think, you know, the practices are so aligned in that way. And that's why I love them so much just because, you know, when people come to us with feng shui, they're, I, you, and you, I love that you're, that the way you've framed this practice for you is really about finding your beauty. Because for us, it's really understanding your spaces around you and not being like, we have a lot of people that are really, they come to us, um, clients, potential clients say, okay, I'm just, I'm really scared of what you're going to say about my house and you're going to say it's bad, right? And you're going to tell me I have bad feng shui. And I don't know, I'm sure that's come from a place where people, you know, there are, when there are rules around things, there's obviously good and bad, right? And, and, but that's the practice. That's not how we practice. And our practice is always, you know, meet people where they are, show compassion, be flexible. And really for me, it's about saying, Hey, you know, when this and this and this, you know, and asking a question, not saying, Hey, you know, did this, you know, you should never do that, or that's bad. You know, it's really just opening up a dialogue between you and the client. So I love that it really is about appreciating your own life or your own face, like in face reading. They really are very closely aligned, the practices, because I mean, well, they had very similar, you know, foundations and lineages. So it makes a whole lot of sense. Also, like as women, we're so hard on the way we, I mean, our whole exist, we exist because of how we look like that's just how society has created us so it's like even yeah. more difficult and, and as how, you- how your house looks and oh how yeah your house yeah looks. Looks, like right. both like how you look at instagram instagram is either how hot you are or how how amazing your house looks right like it's yeah. the two main ones right so yeah. you know, it makes it makes total sense that people would feel this level of shame around it when really not understanding that like I was taught, and this is, I mean, I know, I don't want to get into specifics on face reading because people are probably going to want to, you know, want to know this and we're not going to do that. If you want to know specifics on your face, go see Tamsin. But what I will say is we were taught when we were, when we were, you know, when we were learning this in school that, you know, your nose in the center of your face is your Tai Chi. It's like you're more, it's a, it's your center of power, right? It's really like, it's where everything comes together. Like, cause it's literally the center of your face. And so the Bagua center, it's where it connects everything, your well-being, your, you know, unifies everything. And so if, you know, there's so many people that are ashamed of their nose or that hate their nose or think it's too big and actually a big nose 
is actually a really a sign of, of an amazing strength and, you know, really powerful. So there's no need to alter your features if you see that kind of power in them, I suppose, but it's, it's, it's tough, right? But it's also like, I also get a lot of um, women that have shame around, um, wanting plastic surgery or they've had reconstructive surgery or Botox. And to me, it's like, because I am metal, like, I don't really care. <laughs> like, I don't care if you had a nose job. My concern is like, is that new nose really working for you? Or even before you even consider having that new nose job, like really reflecting on like why you want that nose job mm -hmm. and then preparing for what's going to come because it, it shifts your doubt. It shifts your purpose. Does, yeah. So with like Taoism, it's not about fate. You have a destiny, but you make your choices in life and that changes the paths of your destiny, right? So maybe you have this great nose that's like big noses are um you know, they're like our innovative thinkers. They're our creative leaders. They're, they think outside of the box. They have a way of like bringing us into this other world. But sometimes you might not, because of your other lived experiences, you might not feel comfortable in that spotlight. That's a lot of pressure to like bring society into a new world. And so if you feel like, you know what, in this life, like I'm just not ready for that. And then that leads you to having a nose job, then maybe that's a way to alter your destiny. And then you have to figure out like what your new nose represents. And mm -hmm. sometimes it works and sometimes they miss it. And then they have this energy of like, I want to change the world, but nobody takes them seriously because they have a really cute little nose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, it, and we say this in feng shui too, when we talk about personal chi. So face reading and personal chi is very closely connected. I mean, you know, how you walk through the world and act and exhibit, I mean, your personal chi is directly, you know, when we talk about personal chi, in feng shui, we talk about an element. So, you know, oh, you're, you know, when you do that, it's very wood, or when you do that, it's wood out of balance, or when you do that, it's, it's earth or this and that. So we always are, when we are reading people's chi beyond just the face, just general, that is part of the practice as well. And I think knowing that over time, you know, sometimes you show up metal, sometimes you show up wood. I mean, things in life shift you and shift your energy in the way you, you move through the world. Like you were saying your, I mean, cause your features change, right? So, you know, yeah, they, yeah, they're changing. And so people don't know that you can actually change certain parts of your face too. Like eyebrows are, you know, very, you know, people, I film, I didn't do it today though. I realized I didn't put makeup on before anyone. I wish I hadn't plucked my eyebrows as much as I did in the 1990s. Can I just say <laughs> when it was really cool to do that? Because that's, that is wood. Like that's a very strong kind of standing up for your, you know, in your, and, and just being really strong. And I, and so now I, I mean, I, they're not horrible. Like I fill them in and stuff, but even just filling them in, it gives you that same kind of energy, right? You can totally, yeah. I love makeup. I think that's a great way of playing with different elements and then using different types of makeup, like even contouring. Like I love drag queens too. That's an example of how to use makeup to create this different persona to really play and and then and then show up in the world in a different way and so like you know if if you i i often like i my clients are really um they're business women typically like they have their their solopreneurs and so if um, i'm working with a client that's shy and that just doesn't feel comfortable around public speaking but 
they want to do it. They just have to build that courage. I tell them like, fill your brows really bold or, you know, even my, like I have thin thinning eyebrows. So I got microblading and that will give this impression to, and this will like use your liver energy to like show up much more authoritative. And it's almost like faking it till you make it. Like sometimes you have to fake it for a little bit and then figure it out. Yeah. It's not rigid. And I think that's what some people, and also not fear-based. I think those are the two things that we've covered. We talked about last time and I mean, that's really important for Angie and I to communicate with this, with our practice, with feng shui, that we're not here to scare the crap out of people that you, if you don't do this and your house doesn't look this way, then, you know, this is going to happen. That's just not, that's not how we operate. That's not how we were taught. Uh, that's not part of our lineage. And I think a lot of these practices, sometimes people come to them with the desire to be told exactly what to do. Yeah. And I don't know how you feel about that, Tamsin, and, and how to manage that with clients. Yeah, I think my medical background helped me to kind of navigate that differently. And so I really want them to be collaborative. I can't tell them what to do, but even that's a sign of an imbalance that we need to work on. So like some of my clients opt to do an add-on where I write um, basically a summary of their consultations, but I also give them a ritual guide. So these rituals are based on where we are in the season, specific for their elements, specific for their history, in hopes of like helping them with certain issues in their lives for the next season. But the other thing I wanted to also say is like, we're not shame based too. Like I can't stand when people in power positions use that as a way to shame people for their the, the decisions that they made or like their insecurities, especially, especially in the spiritual sort of world. Like there's a lot of shaming of like, even admitting that I don't like this about my face. I wish I can change this or you know, I, I imagine that with the space too and design. Yeah. I think, you know, when you start to do these practices and e either a teach them to somebody or hold space for someone and as a client, you do have to tread very carefully on how you show up and you, I have never been comfortable showing up in the, in a place of authority. It's just not, you know, I'm, I know all, you know, nothing. I mean, that's just for me, not I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. And, and that's not how Angie and I roll in a general way, but I think there, there is this, that I sometimes feel that if you don't show up that way, then, well, is this really legit, right? You need to like have that kind of strength and you, and, but once you start working with the client and they are part of it and you actually engage them and you ask them questions. And again, I always come back to this idea of co-creating and being flexible and having them be part of it. Cause you're right, they'll show up. It's usually an imbalance if they're too scared to sort of participate and engage. But really when you get to that point with a client and you're really kind of working back and forth and talking, getting them to appreciate and see these things and open up and see things from a different perspective using feng shui or whatever practice, it is just so, it's such, it's so powerful. I mean, it's just great. And you learn something. Like I'm sure you get this from your clients. Like my, my clients are my greatest teachers and the people that show up, are the people that are dealing with the same issues that I'm personally dealing with. And then all of a sudden it's like in my face. So it's like, wow. Okay. So this is like a teaching moment for myself. And then listening to their revelations or epiphanies, like during our consultation, it's, it, you know, it's this mutual thing where we're learning from one another. And that means so much more to me than being like an expert. But again, for me, that makes me feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. So I found out what Tamsin is. Oh, excellent. Yes. <laughs> we can circle back to oh, so the <laughs> book is called um so if you're on the youtube you can see it but on it, the youtube <laughs> on, 
<laughs> no, I'm so old. Uh, it's called The Key on the YouTube. Uh, you can get this on the Amazon or on the bookstore, uh, on the internets. Takashi Yoshikawa. I think I said that. So Tamsin is a two earth, which relates to yin earth, actually, Tamsin, your yin earth as your main number. And the general advice for a two earth is step-by-step -step development is the best way to your future success. Oh man. I was telling both of you that this is like my 10th career or something, you know, I've had so many careers, but recently, I mean, they're so different, my career path. And it's, and, but to me, it's like, I've used everything that I've learned in my past into my next career. And so now we kind of see, and I think for a while I struggled, like it just seemed like I was, I was kind of flighty. Like I did this for a little bit, did that and this, this, but to me, I really see it as this extension of this long career. Like everything that I've learned, I'm using it now in this weird way. And it's only in the last couple of years that I've actually noticed that. And yeah, step by step. And appreciate I'm not, yeah, I'm not the most patient person. So that's but, <laughs> um, two earths, they are like in service to others. Like they are like they want to nurture and help people. They really are amazing at, you know, working, working with clients makes sense, like, you know, on a deep level and on a, but not on a, almost like, um, I don't want to see like, yeah, like a healer. Like there is that healing, that nurturing healing quality to it. I always find two earths to be the ones that are always there to, if there's people that are, I always call them like the adults in the room sometimes. Like if people are, you know, they're always there to say, okay, pick, like they kind of pick up the pieces and, and want it, they want to fix things and like, they want to make things better. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Well, um, thank you so fun. much, Tam Hamson. That was so fun. I what? learned so much. That went by quick, yeah, <laughs> but I had a good time. That was fun. You know what we'll do if we're going to have a blog post for this too. So in the blog post, maybe we'll, cause I know we talked about a couple of the elements. Maybe we'll just do a, a little takeaway for each of the five elements. So people can just have a little flavor of it, but mm -hmm. we didn't want to get into like, you know, details. Cause honestly, if you are, if you find this interesting, go see Tamsin, go to her uh, Instagram uh, feed. And that's where you're really going to learn a lot because you don't want to, you know, it's fun to sort of dabble and dip your toe in of all these practices. But if you are, if you have really deep questions, go talk to, go talk to Tamsin. And before we forget Tamsin, can you let us know where the listeners can find you? Sure. Um, you can find me on my website at elementalarchetypes1word.com. And my Instagram is the same at elementalarchetypes. Cool. And we'll also have that in the show notes. So you can click through really easily if you're watching. Yeah. Thank you. I think and it's, you probably get it too with feng shui. It's like, it's hard to, you know, this is fun, but it's not like this fun party trick. Like it's, it's much more deeper than like this one-off thing. And so um, having that one-on-one -on -one consultation gives us time to actually even create like a safe space mm -hmm. to like talk about these things more deeply. Thank you so much, Tamsin. And thank you so much to the listeners for listening to this episode of the Holistic Spaces podcast. You can tune in every Monday for a new podcast episode. And be sure to check out the previous podcast episode with Tamsin when we talked about the wood element a few months back. If you like our podcast and this episode, please share this podcast with others, subscribe on iTunes, and even better, leave a review. If you'd like to explore the world of Holistic Spaces, and feng shui on an even deeper level, you can visit our website 
at mindfuldesignschool.com or holisticspaces.com. You can support the podcast by checking out our certification and mini courses at mindfuldesignschool.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.